Welcome to Church in the Valley. That's a trailer for X-Men 23. I think that's the one we're on. Actually, I don't know, but this is X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, it's been out for a few weeks. And if you're new to Church in the Valley, uh, you're, you're starting to like ask questions like, what kind of a church is this? As I came and we just sang a worship song and then we just watched the trailer for a Hollywood movie. And like uh, Jeremy mentioned, we're starting a new series uh, that we gave some background on last week, but today we're starting for the next six weeks to look at uh, the summer releases uh, that are happening uh, in the, the movie theaters and pulling out what do movies say about uh, relationships, uh, specific, like how we should treat each other, and then how do we kind of filter what a movie says uh, with what the truth of the scriptures say and what, what God wants to tell us about how relationships work. And uh, so this is like a series where we're not just looking at topics that the movies bring up, but we're also just talking about how do you filter uh, information. And just even in that trailer, there's messages that you are being sent about what this movie is about. And like any trailer, it's to draw you in, uh, to want to go see it. And if you're like me, if you miss the trailer, like, or you miss like the previews at the beginning of the movie, there's a part of me is like where I, I, I need a refund. Like if I miss the previews, it's almost like I missed some of the movie. Anyone else like that? I saw a few nods. Thank you. And then there's some of you guys. No, it's, I'm bored if I'm sitting there too long. But this movie uh, has some themes that we're going to talk about uh, today. But just for fun today, since we're launching the series, uh, we have kettle corn. And if you want some kettle corn and you did not get a chance to have any, John Rickard in the back, raise your hand, John. He's got a big old bucket of kettle corn. And so if you raise your hand nonchalantly right now, he will walk by and make sure you get some. So don't be shy. We got, we got, oh, we got some. All right. That's for, for your enjoyment. Um, if you come next week, there won't be any more. Okay. This is just our kickoff for the series, but you can eat half and then bring some back next week. Although I don't recommend that. Uh, so I want to just give a brief synopsis about the movie. And like I mentioned each year, we we've done this the last few years. Box office wisdom is actually not an endorsement of movies. Uh, by us showing the, the trailer to this and us talking about the movie, we're not necessarily saying that you should go see this um, because we're not here to endorse. But we are here to, to talk about the themes that movies bring up. And so our goal is to look at the movies and then kind of draw out the themes. But I want to give a little background uh, to what this movie is about. And there was this kind of central character who's the nemesis, the villain. He's the apocalypse. And he's considered, like in the X-Men universe, this god who's existed and kind of comes back into modern time and sees how the world is and humans and X-Men and decides, like, this is not how life is supposed to be. And since he's this god in the X-Men universe, he wants to kind of take kind of matters into his own hands and decide, this is how I want everything to happen. These are the people that I want you know, in value and I want to team with. And then here's a group of people that I don't. And so it's this, this movie of like epic proportions, like most X-Men, uh, kind of on who, who can survive, who's the strongest. And the theme that we're pulling out of this week's message is the idea of, of pride. And, uh, in the, in the film, uh, there's numerous, you know, times where people are, are fighting for their own power. Uh, many times they're fighting for their own survival, but this main character, character apocalypse he's he's just built on i'm i'm this god and i will determine what needs to happen and anyone that comes against me 
I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to run through. And so this this idea of, of domination and pride is central uh, to this movie. And like mo- most of the X-Men movies, uh, there's this also theme of uh, proving your worth. Uh, X-Men have special powers, uh, special mutant powers that is different for different X-Men. And they prove their worth and they kind of adapt based on the powers uh, that they've been given. And so even that le- lends itself to like, I have to prove myself, I have to prove my worth, and that can actually be a, an aspect of pride too. And so I just want to kind of set up, this movie has a lot of themes, a lot of crazy scenes, and a lot of things that are, you know, interesting and fun. It got terrible reviews. Just, I'll throw that out there. It did get terrible reviews, but sometimes like, you're not wanting like an epic story, you, you, you just want some of what you saw in the trailer, okay? So... That's just kind of the, the background. But I, I want to talk about this, this issue of pride because in the course of the series, we're talking about things that actually prevent good relationships from happening. So there, there's oftentimes how we look at things. We look at things that we need to do, and then there's things that we don't need to do. And we look at that in life. And in relationships, there's certainly things that we need to choose and then other things that we don't need to choose. And so we're going to be doing both over the course of the next few weeks. But to, today, we're going to talk about the problem of pride in relationships and how over time it actually destroys the kinds of relationships that, that all of us can have. But I want to kind of set the stage for this issue of, of pride and, and why it's such a problem for us. And I probably don't need to convince most of you, and I think we're all on the same page, that we can see pride in relationships. In fact, we deal with pride ourselves. It's a common problem. It's a common issue that, that we all face ourselves. There's this part in us where we, we do want to promote ourselves. Uh, we want people to think of us highly. Sometimes we even want to look better than, than we really are. And a lot of that's rooted in, in pride. And if you go into the scriptures and you go back to the existence, part of the sin problem that happened when Adam and Eve first sinned and des- decided to rebel against God, it was actually rooted in pride. It was they wanted knowledge and they wanted power that was reserved for God alone. So even from the beginning, when you go back to how sin entered the world and why we have problems and why relationships are broken, it's actually rooted in this idea of of pride. There's a certain amount of knowledge, there's a certain amount of status that we all want. And I don't necessarily have to convince you of that. That's kind of what's what's within all of us. But my, my hope is today that while this is within all of us, I want to kind of talk about what pride is, what it causes, and then how God can help us. In the midst of that, to actually not only deal with pride ourselves, but to experience relationships that as pride comes up, we can actually move beyond it and actually experience some of the goodness that comes on the other side. But I just want to give a brief background of kind of how pride has been rooted since the beginning. You find this in Genesis chapter three, and you can read it up here on the screen. It says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit, uh, from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. So they're having this kind of clarifying conversation. So God's restricting your freedom. Well, God gave us all this freedom, but yeah, there's this one tree in the middle that, that we're not supposed to eat and you must not touch it or you will die. She tells the serpent and, This is what the serpent responds. You will surely not die, the serpent said. 
to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What the serpent is doing here and the beginning of time as man and woman are, are created is he's appealing to pride. He's appealing to being able to see and have status that's reserved only for God. And you find that actually the same themes in this movie, this idea of this apocalypse, this godlike character who wants to take just power and responsibility on himself to determine how the world should should function. It's actually not far from the appeal that was made to us as the original sin happened. This idea of God wants to restrict you. God wants to kind of set you back. God wants to limit your capacity, your freedom, your opportunity. Look what can happen if you yourself are like God. And so that was actually the appeal. It was an appeal of pride. And so you can see that it's traced back right to the beginning. That This is something that perks our interest. It causes us to get off track. It's something that when things appeal to our pride, we usually respond. So we have to we have to fight against this. And then it it goes on further as uh, the Old Testament is written. You see further problems that happened as a result of pride. And you find this further in Genesis 11. And it says this. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. This is a situation in which the people wanted to build this this tower the Tower of Babel. And the idea of by building the tower is, that tower, tower is that we're going to gain our status. And by gaining our status, then we're going to have, again, opportunity. We're going to have this ability to, to be like God. And what, what you see happening in, in both of these instances, the appeal was made to pride and to self-promotion. And God actually thwarted those plans. The people were scattered sent to the ends of the earth and languages were created and there's been this division from people since this time. So often what happens is man wants to lean on self-promotion, wants to lean on this, this appeal to pride. And what happens time and time again is that God for a little bit allows pride to work itself out. But in the end, it, it leads to destruction it leads to pain. It leads to suffering. It actually doesn't help our relationships at all. And so I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like here and now. So if this is kind of the beginning of time as man and woman struggle with pride, and we see this in circumstances throughout the scriptures, we see that in circumstances in our own life. Uh, why is that? And I, I want to just talk about how this kind of gets into our relationships. So relationships are a constant struggle because we all battle pride in our hearts. There's a few words that are, that are important in that. You may want to underline this. There's a word in that, and it said all. We all. One of the things that pride does is it actually appeals to all of us. It does. And just like it appeals to all of us, it also wreaks havoc to all of us. No one is exempt from the fruit of pride. It may look like it's going to be good fruit, but it, it is rotten fruit and none are exempt, exempt. If we choose the prideful way, we actually reap 
rotten fruit. And so I want to kind of talk about how that looks. There's some scriptures that kind of put us all in the same playing field of, of why pride is an issue. Now, if you're here today and I were to ask you if you've ever had to work at relationships, I, I think all of us would raise our hands. If I were to ask you, how many of you have been frustrated at someone else? You'd raise your hand, right? How many of you have ever gotten into a conflict with someone else? You'd raise your hand. How many of you have like raised your voice? You didn't necessarily argue, but you raised your voice at someone else. We've all done that. We, we get in circumstances and situations, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, people that we actually care about, people that we love. But there's conflict and relationships take work. And many times we go into a relationship thinking one thing is going to happen, but it ends up just not turning out that way. And it leads to a lot of frustration. A lot of this is because what is happening with pride in relationships and Ecclesiastes kind of puts this all on this playing field, all on the level playing field. It says this, the hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live and afterward they join the dead. This is like one of those scriptures. When you read Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is this like frank book of how life works and it comes across somewhat cynical. What it does is it has these phrases that the writer Solomon is looking at life and drawing conclusions. And he draws these conclusions without necessarily always explaining it. And so you read verses like this, which is just frank to the point, And then it ends with, and then we die. And so you're left with like, well, where's the hope in that? But actually what Solomon's intent was is not for us to be left with this idea of just cynicism or, or no hope. But the conclusions that he's making can actually be insightful for us. And he's just saying that all of us have hearts that are, are full of evil. Like where we wake up and we wouldn't necessarily think like I'm feeling this today. I'm feeling like I want to come against somebody. But what happens is when, when there's a choice and it's between our interests or someone else's interest, that's always going to be a struggle for us. There's a part where we want to look out for ourselves. That's what he's describing. We're just a mixed bag. We don't always have pure motives. We're not always looking out for others. And then he goes on further and he's talking about that they have madness in their hearts. And that, that madness is actually this description of what pride is. It comes from the word halela, which is where we get hallelujah. But this madness in this verse is specific to self-praise. So all of us have this issue going on with our hearts to promote ourselves. And then it goes on further. And it's, it's, it's actually this madness that we want to promote ourselves. We have this self-promotion that's very real to us. We're given the opportunity. We kind of are thinking, how, how can I make myself look better? And I like the word. It's this idea of, of madness. And it's kind of this thing of the way pride works a lot of times is as you give into it and you choose the path of pride, it never becomes enough. It's like this madness, like it just, it's craziness. Because you can never promote yourself enough where you feel okay. It just doesn't work. So there, there's madness. And then Psalm 75 goes on and, and describes this pride, how it looks as well. It says, to the arrogant, I say, 
boast no more. And to the wicked, now listen to this description. Do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak with outstretched neck. Now, if you're reading this, you're like, dude, were there X-Men in the biblical times? No. There weren't. But it's a, it's a word picture of what the pride looks like in life. And it's comparing it to like the animal kingdom. Like picture a deer that has these beautiful antlers, right? And that deer's worth and value is based on the size of its antlers. And so a deer is just walking around like, look at, look at the antlers. Check out my the status. Look how powerful and, and strong I am. That's the idea. Or it's like a bull with horns like, don't come against me. Look at, look at these these horns. I actually thought about going to Amazon and like buying a Viking because like that's the only thing I can find like the related humans like a Viking helmet. But then I thought as soon as I have that on, you guys won't listen to anything else I say because you're just like, why? What is he thinking? But, you know, Viking helmet, it's like the horns. It's like this this status. But there's this idea like where you're putting yourself out there on display. And you want people to notice who you are. And what you can do. And that's why I like the scriptures in, in a roundabout way as you wrestle with what the scriptures are saying and as you chew on it, that's like very insightful. This idea of when we give into pride and to arrogance, we're lifting our horns up. We're putting ourselves on display. And it's very interesting if you take the kind of the symbolism even further, animals that are on display with their horns, what happens to them? They actually get hunted and killed. This is sometimes when I read the scriptures, I think like this. They get hunted and killed and then like they're on display, but they're like no longer living. They're like an example. And that's what happens in life. Sometimes the more prideful you are, you put yourself on display. You put yourself out there in the status and gets to the point where all that, that you're left for is an example of how that caused ruin and damage for your life. And that's that's what pride is. And so all these scriptures I'm bringing to give this context of this is very real. None of us are exempt from the lure and the appeal of pride. And all of us have a common experience of how pride has hurt our relationships, whether that's by what people have done in the name of pride as you've related to them or what you have done in the name of pride as you've related to others. There's a line from the movie that kind of speaks to this. And the two main characters are Apocalypse and Charles Xavier, Professor X. And Apocalypse, he's the godlike character. He says this, those who are the strongest, the world is ours. And Charles Xavier says, those who are the strongest protect those who aren't. So the movie actually captures a reality of life. There's a part in like sometimes the stronger you are or the stronger you think you are, it goes into like how can I leverage that against people? So the more successful I have, the more success I gain, I, I want people to know that. And so I kind of pull that out to leverage people. What you find in the scriptures is actually as, as you become a stronger person in the faith, or you become a stronger person in your own success, or you gain status, or you gain power, you're actually supposed to use that to serve other people. And so they actually, that's some helpful perspective. And the scriptures are given to give us this picture of we, we're going to deal with this. 
This is a reality. This is going to be a battle that we all have to fight. Um, I want to just talk about kind of how this plays out practically. And there's a scripture that talks about this in Proverbs 13, 10. Do I need to change the mic? Would you guys like me to do that? Or just keep going? I'm going to keep going. Proverbs 13, 10 goes further. Proverbs are written like Ecclesiastes. They're, they're wisdom literature. And if you've ever read the Proverbs, you, you find that they're just like little phrases about how life works. If you've never read the Proverbs, I encourage you to do that. You can get a lot of insight on just practical things. But in Proverbs 13, 10, it says this. Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. So if this is true, if this statement about how life works is true, that pride only breeds quarrels, then the questions I was asking you about conflict that you faced is connected to this idea. Like if you've experienced conflict and frustration, being misunderstood, argument, most of the time it's connected to pride. Because pride only breeds quarrels. So whenever there's a fight, oftentimes pride is involved. And so here's some situations. I'm just saying these that I've experienced out of my own life, okay? If you've ever thought someone is weak or should get over something, a lot of times that, that's rooted in pride. And we do that. Someone's experienced something and they're going through a hard time and there's a little part of us inside that thinks, man, they're not that strong of a person. They should really get over that. Sometimes that's magnified if they have a problem with us. Has anyone ever had a problem with you and you get in this point where you're like, wow, what's the big deal? And they need to get over that. What, what's their problem? A lot of times that's, that's rooted in pride. Um, if you've ever withheld forgiving someone, someone's wronged you, and you just you can't let it go, we don't think of that, but, but that's actually rooted in pride. Because when we don't forgive somebody, what we have is we have leverage. We have pain and we have hurt. And what that does, you want me to switch? Check one. There we go. I feel like a talk show host. The audience participation is going to go on the rise. No, it won't. Don't freak out front row. Okay. Um, but if you've ever with, withhold forgiveness... This idea of you, we want to use the pain and the hurt, which is we don't tend to think like this, but the pain and hurt actually becomes a root of pride because what it is is you've done something against me and I'm going to actually use that to gain an advantage on you. And so I'm going to bring things up that you've done to me just to show you that I haven't forgotten. And I'm going to bring things up that you've done to me just to show that. That just when you think you're ahead of me, I, I'm going to trump with the pain you've caused. So this idea of forgiveness is actually really connected so much to pride. Because oftentimes we don't want to let go of things because we want that leverage point on somebody else. Now with forgiveness, there's a process. There's a decisional uh, choice that you make to forgive somebody. And that decision is important. And then there's also the process of emotionally. So just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that the pain is gone. And if you feel pain and hurt, it doesn't mean that you're, you're prideful. But at the point that you don't want to forgive, 
and you decide not to, you're actually allowing a root of pride to kind of take root in your heart. You've got to really watch out for that. And then, third practical way that this, this kind of happens in relationships, if you feel frustrated because people aren't recognizing like what you bring to the table, whether it's in family life and you just kind of think, why, why don't they ever appreciate me? Oftentimes that's rooted in pride. If you get to the point at work and you've helped solve problems and you've helped make progress for the company and it feels like you're not getting recognized and there's a party that's like, it's never good enough. A lot of times that's pride. Because without realizing it, if pride is so common, it's not as direct as domination. Like you see in the X-Men movies, like, okay, if your name is Apocalypse, you might have a pride problem, right? Like if that guy walks into our work, you have categories. But in life, it's so much more subtle. And think about what the serpent was doing with Eve and with Adam in the garden. It wasn't like, hey, choose pride. Your life will go well. No, it was, if you eat of this fruit, you're actually going to see things that God doesn't want you to see. But if you choose it, there will be no limitations. You'll have knowledge, and that knowledge will be good, because you'll be able to recognize good and evil. So it's appealing to this, this thing of, okay, yeah, I, I want to be able to see things clearly. And that's, that's how pride works. It happens very subtly. And oftentimes it, it comes as we respond to things that people do to us. And as we respond to the things that, that people face, we all have decisions to make. How do we view that person in their situation? How do I view what they've done to me? And the way we respond to this, this is what happens, like how much pride takes, takes root in our hearts. So I just wanted to kind of explain that and then just give you some broad categories of how pride destroys. Okay. Uh, there's a lot more than this, as we know in our experience, as I've already described. But these are the three main categories that pride actually takes root. The first one is uh, when we refuse to ask forgiveness when we've done wrong. The, the last part of this phrase, done wrong, to actually admit that you've done wrong, takes a great deal of humility. Because, right, pride is like, I may have done wrong, I may not have done wrong. Let's not talk about what's wrong or what's, there's like, you don't want to get pinned down to like, you've done something wrong. So there's something so powerful, and it seems small, but in our, there's a battle within us just to admit that we have done wrong. You ever gotten into conflict with somebody? And all you want them to do is admit how they've done wrong, right? Just If they would just admit what they've done wrong. And if we don't think we're going to get that, then it's if they would just admit that I've done right. Do you ever experience that? I know I have. It goes so much better if you just admitted what you did. But oftentimes it begins with, okay, what, what have I done in a situation, in a conflict, in a frustration, in a problem? What have I done and ask for forgiveness for that? doesn't mean that you make it up just to make it up. But if you did wrong, the way you battle pride in that leverage is you admit it and you ask for forgiveness. The second part of that is to grant forgiveness when someone has wronged you. 
This is also a key way, like I've talked about, to, to kind of pulling up those roots of pride which get into our hearts. And oftentimes, the way you, you kind of fast forward to humility is you forgive even before somebody asks. If you really want to shortcut the, the root of pride and kind of pull that up quickly, when someone has wronged you, you forgive them. Now, in Scripture, there's, there's principles like if, if you can't get over it, there's a conversation that needs to happen. If somebody has wronged you and you cannot let it go, there needs to be a conversation where you deal with the wrong. But if you can forgive somebody for what they said or an attitude or a slight, then do it. And what you're doing is you're, you're actually choosing humility. You're actually deciding that 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 they did against me before God, I'm going to let it go. And they may never know that they did that. If you can do that do that but if you can't you still have to deal with the wrong that was done and oftentimes again we just think of pride as trying to promote ourselves and that that certainly happens but a lot of times it happens emotionally in the issues of what happens when when conflict erupts and the other way that this happens and we see this at the workplace in our relationships in home life uh, everywhere we're kind of cooperating with people is Pride really takes root and destroys when we refuse to team with others. And so there's the asking for forgiveness. That takes humility. Granting forgiveness. That takes humility. But actually wanting to team with others takes a tremendous amount of humility as well. Because pride is usually rooted in the idea of like, my way is the best way. And I will team with you. As you admit that my way is the best way. Now, do we say that? No, not usually. Again, it's not that direct. But we have an idea about how something should go. And someone else has an idea about how something goes. Let's say it's a, a project at work. Humility is, you, you recognize that there's actually more than one way to do something. Unless you're in a position where you have to do it this way for a specific reason financially or goal-oriented or the timeline, then there's different ways to do things. And so aspect of humility is like we can team together, and, and it doesn't always have to be my, my way. But granting forgiveness, asking forgiveness, and teaming with others, these are the keys to allow Humility to grow. And as humility grows, that's the opposite of pride. That's the thing that over time, that that fruit of pride begins to to shrink. And we're actually going to battle, the scriptures say, we're going to battle pride for the rest of our lives. There's, There's a point in which we never get beyond that pull to self promote. We never get beyond it. And the reason I say that is that's important. Because if we know that's always going to be a battle, we can we can really be on guard against it. And at the same time, not be surprised that it's there. Because it's something that, that we're always going to have to deal with. Uh, there's another line in the movie that kind of shows what pride does ultimately. It leads to isolation. And Apocalypse is saying, it's, it's over, Charles. You are beaten. This is, again, Professor X. And Charles Xavier says, you'll, you'll never win. And then Apocalypse, why not? As I read these, it just feels so like 
terrible, like the worst movie ever. Does that just mean, I'm like, you'll never win. Why not? Like, okay, in a movie, that, that's going to be a lot more epic. And I was just about to do a voice. I'm not going to do that. Why not? Charles Xavier, because you're alone and I am not. This is also very insightful. Because what we fail to realize is oftentimes we choose this, these things related to pride. Little things here and there to kind of want recognition, not let go of some hurt, kind of want to do things my way. But what we fail to realize is each one of those is just kind of a little bit of a fire that's set in a blaze. And over time, what happens is that these, these fires, these wildfires in our relationships, there's, there's like no clear path anymore. It's, it's been destroyed by our choices. And this isolation is, is very real. But again, in the moment, we're not thinking, if I make these choices, I'm actually putting walls between me and people. And over time, if I have these walls, and if I keep making these choices, then I'm actually going to be isolated from people. And if I'm isolated from people, I'm actually not going to be able to get the help and encouragement that God has intended for me. We don't think like that. But the movie draws this conclusion, which is right. When you're all alone, it doesn't matter how much pride you have. You're alone. So the quality of your life and what you can accomplish alone is so small compared to what you can do in the relationships with people. And that's what the church is all about. We come every Sunday and we have groups and we do events. We do these things to strengthen our community because together we're so much stronger than being alone. But the only way that we can really be a community is we can't be rooted in pride. So even as a church, we have to constantly be remembering this as we're serving, as we're extending ourselves, as we're giving all of these things. We have to realize, okay, God, this is part of me being a part of this community. And pride is just, what does it do for me? What will this give me? What will this, how will this benefit? So all of this summary is, is pride, it snowballs, it builds, and it kills the relationships that are precious to us. I want to close out with, with a scripture, which is really great encouragement to me. And I want to encourage you this week, I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time, but I, I encourage you this week to read this scripture one day sometime this week. Whether it could be at night. It could be at the morning, it could be on your lunch break. Don't do it driving unless you listen to it. But think through this, this scripture because this scripture is really going to be helpful as we talk about the rest of the movies. And it's, again, in this description of something that you should put on, like you, your clothes. So as you wake up, you have to you know, choose what clothes you're going to wear and you put them on. And this scripture is written to Christians saying, Christians, if you want to know how to please God and how to live, then you get dressed with these. You put these on every day. You choose this. The reason we have to choose that is every day we're choosing what kind of clothes. Like, are we going to put pride? We're going to put that shirt of pride on and self-promotion. We're going to put our horns on so people can see. Or these characteristics. And these characteristics, these are what a relationship with God brings. We can't have this without him and his help. And this, this is what it says in Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, so this is written again to Christians, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other 
and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So as you read that this week, and I encourage you to do that, think through what are the opposites of compassion? What's the opposite of kindness? What's the opposite of humility? We've been talking about that today. It's pride. And, and just ask yourself, okay, what kind of person would I be if, if I did the opposite of these? And then this idea of bearing with each other, it actually, in the literal language it's written, it's this idea of you, 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 you put up with other people. Even that is something that's so difficult. Have you ever just gotten annoyed with other you know, people? Anyone? You, right? It's easy to get annoyed with people. Like, my wife and I, we've been married 14 years, and, like, I know this face that she gives me, and, like, I kind of like it because it's the face of, like, I'm driving her nuts. And, like, sometimes that's fun. Let's be honest. Right? Kind of like, I kind of like that face because I'm, like, kind of annoying her. And there's, like, I'm a, the youngest and little brother, and it's like, yeah, it's in me, and I'm messed up. You know, but <laughs> it's there. But there's these points where, like, she just looks at me, and then she just, just kind of smiles. And she's bearing with me. Like, I'm not the easiest to live with. My daughter's nine now, and she gets to the point where she's like, oh, wow, Dad. Like, and I'm doing something. She's actually bearing with me. Wow, as I think about it, that's kind of sad. But, like, she is getting to that point. Like, oh, wow, Dad. She's kind of saying, like, Dad, you're kind of weird. Like, oh, wow, Dad. Dang, let's have a little moment right now. But that's so important in relationships. You get to the point where you, you bear with each other. You cut each other slack. It actually is like this idea of you're patient with people. That's like what humility is. You don't just put your demands on how somebody's going to treat you. You're actually patient with them. You, you bear with them. And then it's connected to the forgiveness. And then you forgive them. When they blow it, you, you, you learn to, to deal with that. doesn't mean that you make light of what they've done or that's not a big deal. It could be huge. Things are Terrible decisions are made all the time. The idea of, of bearing with, being patient with people, and then forgiving is, is I'm not going to allow this pain and this hurt to diminish the relationships that God wants me to have. So in a way, as you do that, you're doing things God's way. And the very power that we want in pride, we, we actually, we allow God to be God. And his power becomes our, our strength. And so I want to encourage you, take the time to read this this week and just, just wrestle with this a little bit. Because it's, it's, so, it's so helpful. I want to wrap up the service by encouraging you to take some next steps. And the band's going to come up and we're going to, Sing another song to God, which is just a song of commitment, recognizing who we are, but more importantly, recognizing who he is. And that's really what helps us in this battle of pride. But I encourage you to take one of the next steps that's on the back of your connection card. So if you haven't finished filling that out, go, go ahead and do that. And three steps. Ask God to show me any subtle ways pride is damaging my relationships. Just ask God to show you that. Or uh, clear up a relationship I've damaged. Or if, if someone has done something to you, you know, decide to forgive them. And if you need to have a conversation with that person, I, I encourage you to do that. And then the, the last next step is maybe you want to just memorize the Colossians. So as you read it this week, decide to memorize it. Get a, an index card. If you, 
you know, have nothing else. Just get an index card, write this verse, and just kind of carry this along with you and, and work to memorizing that piece by piece. As I pray, as I was talking about this this morning, I woke up to the news of this mass shooting in Florida. And as I've been talking about this and just thinking through the destruction of relationships and pride, you know, real, real destruction, it just, just happened uh, last night. If you haven't heard, uh, there were 50 people that were, were killed last night in Orlando, which is considered like the, the worst mass shooting uh, in our country's history. And so I just want to take time as, as I wrap up, I just want to pray for the families of all those that are impacted. And as I was prepping this morning, I was getting word of this news. There's just the part where you face things like this, where you're, you're overwhelmed by the evilness of humanity. And there's times like this when you're faced just with that in this one event that happened where you just see the worst of what we're capable of. And in those moments, I, I can't really know what to say or do. And so all I can do is I really just want to pray for those families and, and really that in the midst of the hurt and the pain and the suffering, that they'll really reach out and see that, that God is there for them. So that, that's what I'm going to pray, and I'll ask you guys to, to join me in that. Let's pray. Father, I, I just admit that there's so many things that happen in this world which words can't even describe uh, just the suffering and the pain and the, the evil, and, and that just happened um, last night in Orlando. And so many people, um, lives were lost, and so many more lives are now damaged and from what they can see, utterly destroyed because of the acts that, that happened. And I just pray for comfort for all the families that lost people. Um, God, I pray that in the midst of their tremendous pain, uh, that they will recognize that you're there and that they'll, they'll see hope in you. And for all those that are injured, that you will bring about healing and that they'll come to recovery and in the midst of that, know that, that your hand is over them as well. And for all the first responders and all the different people involved, I pray just for wisdom and strength as uh, everything happens from now on to just help people and to put the pieces together. And uh, God, we, in the midst of everything we have going on in our life, uh, we recognize that, that there are so many things that are beyond us like this. And so, God, you are you are sovereign and in control, and at the same time, you are merciful and gracious and kind and so god i I pray that everyone involved in this will really uh, sense that that you're near and even people that have never considered you before um, that they'll they'll see that you are a god that loves them And, and i ask that this be real in the name of jesus christ amen